This summer, we have explored the second part of our mission statement, to nurture and heal ourselves, each other, and our world. We've explored ageism. We've explored how some Unitarian Universalists have advocated for positive change and ways that we might do this in the future. We've imagined, we've journeyed, We've explored ways in which this community supports one another. And last week, we heard from our in-betweens and our youth. Wow, what a joy and a blessing that was. They shared how this RE program and this congregation have nurtured them in their journey and exploration. And today, as we wrap up this summer series, I invite us to explore our spiritual practices that can offer nurturing and healing. Growing up in a traditional Christian faith, I felt my options for spiritual practice were confined to reading and memorizing scripture, studying the Bible and prayer lots of prayer. I engaged in all of these, and while I memorized many lines of scripture, it's interesting to me now the verses that remain with me today, the ones that roll off of my tongue, such as Micah 6, 8, and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. Or 1 Corinthians 13, 13, faith, hope, and love abide these three, and the greatest of these is love. Even in these verses from my youth, I can see my Unitarian Universalist faith and identity taking root. But these practices often felt like a prescribed list of activities to check off, a list of things that I needed to do to be a good Christian, not necessarily the things I needed to do to grow as a person, not the things that would necessarily feed my soul, bring me joy, help me to be a more just and loving person. There were moments of fulfillment and joy for sure, but as Leo pointed out last week, much of the way scripture was presented to me in my youth was coming from a place of judgment. And so as I drifted away from my Christian upbringing, as I got older, I also just drifted away from those spiritual practices as well. It wasn't until after I joined this congregation that I began to really think again about spiritual practices and about what that might mean for my life. In the book, Everyday Spiritual Practice, Scott Alexander defines spiritual practices as any activity or attitude in which you can regularly, intentionally engage and which significantly deepens the quality of your relationship 
with the miracle of life, both within and beyond you. What sets a spiritual practice apart from other activities, Alexander says, is intentionality, regularity, and depth. And our spiritual practices may change as our lives ebb and flow. This feels very different to me than the spiritual practices of my youth. And one that, and an idea that I welcome and embrace. For me, reading and writing have often been a part of my spiritual practice. I often choose a book that I want to read and think about more deeply. And as I go through it, through the chapters, I take time to intentionally pause, to reflect on the reading, to consider how it might impact my life and the world beyond me. I've explored works of poetry and daily quotations from time to time in the same kind of way, asking why was I drawn to this passage or these words? What are they saying to me today? What meaning is there? And while writing does help me process the world around me, I find myself writing as a spiritual practice much less. As, time, as much of my time is spent writing for classes that I'm taking, and my spirit needs to be filled in other ways. My life ebbs and flows, and so do my spiritual practices. Susan Manker Seal writes that there is no one right path to a deeper spirituality. There are many right paths, and the one you choose may serve for a while and then need to be changed over time. She writes that her daily spiritual practice is balance. A major part of that practice, she says, involves balancing the busy, taking for granted moments of life with moments to pause and appreciate what is before, before me in my life. She goes on to say that when we practice spirituality in our daily lives, in our daily activities, by remembering to pause, pay attention, and feel appreciation for what is before us, that, we, that it changes us that it spills out into, over, into other areas of our lives. I wonder how we might be changed, how we might change the world around us if we were to pause in the midst of our hectic day, to be present to the world around us and be grateful for all that is our lives. Susan says that when we make a spiritual practice out of pausing to be present, then out of the busyness, we are called back into balance, back into ourselves and the silence of present being. But it's not just back into ourselves that we are called. It is also into the awareness of the continuous presence of the environment around us 
and within us. We are called to remember our relationships and our dependencies. We are called once again to feel the oneness which sustains our being in balance with creation and to do so with wonder and appreciation. Similarly, Kath Kathleen McTeague writes about listening to our lives as a spiritual practice. And her model here is one that I have um, used as part of my spiritual practice from time to time as well. She says that for some of us, our spiritual lives are not framed in silence and contemplation. Where then can we find life within the noise and activity that surrounds us? In other words, is there a way for us to hear not the muddle of voices that keeps us from our prayers, but the prayer within even the muddle of voices? One practice that she describes is that at the end of the day, she thinks back over all that has happened and asks the question, where was God in this day? It is, she says, a question that can be asked in a dozen of different theological voices. And if God language fails to resonate, then we can ask, where today did I really hear the language of my life? The question, she says, puts a sheen of attentiveness and care on even the most mundane dimensions of the day. It gives a way to cradle, I would say to nurture, the moments of the day just lived and see them before they're too far away to notice regrets and failings, as well as the joys. But this practice, again, is much more than merely an opportunity to focus on the past. Mati writes that to fall asleep with the question, where in this day did I really hear the language of my life, moves us every day a little nearer to awakening with the question, where today will I hear the language of my life? Where today will I find God? The calm eye of attention, the deeper wisdom of mindfulness, she says, begins to seep in as they do with any spiritual discipline faithfully practice. And she goes on to say that for many of us, our daily prayer will never arise out of silence but from the thrumming heart of things right where we live. So it will be there at the heart of things that never stops beating, that we can most clearly listen to our lives. For some, this idea of finding connection within the daily chaos of living might be really refreshing and for others, 
There are spiritual practices that do arise out of those moments of reflection, meditation, and prayer. Our spiritual practice can also take the form of an embodied practice, such as yoga, martial arts, forest bathing, or it could be in the form of action, such as recycling, social justice work, anti-racism work, anything done with intentionality and depth. For me, one of my spiritual practices is my service on the governing board. It's a practice that calls me to ask the question, who are we called to be in this moment? I ask that question again and again. And I also reflect on the work that the board does through the lens of what decisions or actions did we take and support that help support the health of this congregation, of this community. And what is the next best step that is emerging? If you're looking for new ways to engage with spiritual practices, I encourage you to consider a journey group. Groups are currently forming, and a sign-up um, can be found in the What's Happening This Week email. Each month, you'll be invited to engage with the monthly theme through a packet of resources. And this September's theme is the gift of welcoming. The resources include questions to consider, activities to explore, both shorter readings and full-length books, podcasts, music, art, and more. But don't panic. It's not like homework. You get to decide how you engage with that theme. You don't have to do it all. I think of it as kind of those choose your own adventure books that I loved when I was a kid. You pick what you want to engage with. And after you've had time to engage with the materials on your own, you have opportunity to come together with a small group a people who are, are committed to being in relationship with one another. And in that small group is a time to listen and to hear others' stories and to be listened to. It is a place where we share our experiences and insights that we may have learned along the way and have those experiences held with gratitude. And we get the privilege of holding the experiences of another person. Journey groups are an invitation to self-exploration and an opportunity to look deeply at the human experience. Even if you choose not to sign up for a group, you still have access to the packets each month, and I encourage you to explore them and incorporate the resources into your spiritual practice in whatever ways brings meaning and connection for you. Each of us travels on a different journey in this life, 
and our paths change with the ever-changing circumstances of our lives, may we find along the way those spiritual practices that fill our spirit, that nurture and heal us. And may we let that nurturing and healing spill out of us into this congregation, this Leesburg community, and the wider world. May it be so.